0: Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. Before we dive into this week's episode of Money Never Sleeps, just a quick heads up that the ETH Dublin Hackathon 2023 is just ahead of us in Dublin on May 26th to 28th, 2023 at Dogpatch Labs in Dublin. ETH Dublin is the first Web3-focused hackathon conducted on the island of Ireland, the idea is to create a space for the community to build and attract talent to the Web3 ecosystem. Check out the details on ETHDublin.io. On the show this week, we've got Igor Kamel, co-founder and CEO of SaveChain, one of the 12 founding teams forming the Techstars Web3 Accelerator class of 2023. SafeChain is the borderless banking app. It's a self-custody stablecoin-only wallet with a banking interface for the global underbanked with the option to open an FDIC-insured bank account for non-U.S. residents. In short, it's MetaMask meets Revolut. Originally from the Ukraine, but now based in the U.S., Igor Kamel has been honing his craft for the past 17 years, including experience in the investment banking and corporate finance practices of Deloitte and McKinsey, then a Stanford MBA, then in venture and as an entrepreneur-in-residence with SpurBank, and he's now a third-time founder in fintech and crypto. In this episode, Igor and I slide down the arc of his life in finance and ventures that led to his inspiration for SaveChain, the societal factors driving the need to pair a USD bank account with a stablecoin wallet, how Igor expects the trajectory of the SaveChain customer experience will evolve, and the hurdles that SaveChain will need to clear to scale globally. All right here on Money
1: Never Sleeps. Igor, how's it going? It's good sunny day in California.
0: <laughs> yeah, lucky you, lucky you. And and a couple of weeks ago, you were not in California. You were over here in Dublin, weren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. There was like a place called Techstars for free. We participate in right now in Techstars for free.
0: And then you, you, you left for a little while, and then you came back, and you came to my birthday party. So thank you for coming to my birthday party. You were one of two Techstars founders representing at the Lemon & Duke that night. So shout out to Kurt Pittman as well. But we also had a bunch of mentors there. So Kira O'Grady was there. Jesus Inoma was there. Mm -hmm. Brian Elders, Alejandro Gutierrez, Martin Cass. It was awesome to have them all with us. Shout out to all those guys. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And speaking of birthdays today, as we're recording this tonight at 10 o'clock Irish time, 2 p.m. in the wonderful state of California, it is Bono's birthday from the band U2. So I just, for some reason, remember random
1: birthdays.
0: (laughs) Bono, happy birthday. Big 6'3", he is. So anyway, listen, before we dig into Save Chain, you've had a really interesting path to get you here, okay? So you move from life as a consultant to a VC scout, corporate innovation, entrepreneur in residence, ventures. To life as a startup founder, now on your third round, FinDelivery, BankX, now SaveChain. To some, it might seem like you jumped around a lot, but I'm kind of clearly seeing this arc towards a vision. Do you think it's been a clear vision for you so far, or has it been just a nested set of experiences where the next thing that you go after only really becomes clear, where you're about to move on from the current thing?
1: so yeah definitely there is a plan there so my life was split like by stanford before standard i wanted to work in finance and after standard i wanted to build finance and in stanford there is the motto it's called change lives change organization change the world and basically i get inspired by building something which is a can be used by industries by like many people and will influence on the life of many people. And in banking, all my previous experience were about to kind of to do open banking. So to make first I was Head of Innovation Lab in Sberbank. I was responsible for open ecosystem and acquiring companies and integrating external technologies with the bank and make bank more personal, more alive, more smart. And then I left and built FinDelivery. And FinDelivery, it's bank agent network, like making bank come to the people that is way far from the branches, where there are no branches, and maybe branches are not needed. So then there was BankX, which is asset-backed security tokenization protocol, which is complete crypto story. For make security tokens and making assets basically fungible, and helping people like borrow money against their real estate or against just their like piece of painting that is on the wall, so potentially can influence many people. And Safe Chain was a continuation of that. It's helping like people to get a retail account that will work like a bank but will be more flexible and global. So. It's, this is like the whole thing called like bank as a service or so open banking. This is what I'm doing.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, it's good that the whole 2017, 2018 backhecks experience, right? Of, yeah. you know, all right, lesson learned, institutional, too early for blockchain, right? Yeah. yeah. Now let's kind of bring this down to the consumer level, right? Which is where all of this digital adoption, this crypto adoption started, and, you know, it just feels like, yeah, so I am seeing that arc a bit more clear now.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in 2017, I made a bet that I built a company around idea that is going to be a regulation for security token and there will be adoption on enterprise on, on financial world of tokens, security tokens as a new asset class and will be simplified rules for issuing these tokens, for trading these tokens, and new market will appear. So this didn't happen as for now. So this market didn't pick up because regulator just pushed it back. I hope this will happen like in some time in the future. It will.
0: No, I see it will. It definitely will. It's just that, you know, these things are, and I went through that whole process as well, Igor. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: you know, the enterprise blockchain story is one that is predicated on, Massive change management projects, technology change management projects that big enterprises have to undertake. And they have to undertake that together if they're collaborating with their bank competitors out there. And there's just way too much political capital at the top of these big financial institutions right now to be able to undertake these massive huge change projects with other banking outfits. Right. But we had to go through that the first time to learn all that. All of this made so much sense to do. And I think now we're at a stage where there's a bunch of us out there who are thinking a couple of years ahead of the game in terms of the adoption of digital assets. And I think this is where, you know, where you've landed now with Safechain.
1: Yeah. So the best from even before crypto, from my experience of like how their newcomers like disrupt the banking. So they first start with the consumer model. So because the banks, that don't nobody want to be like first player here. So the best way to kind of to build something like standard in the industry, you need to first to do a like consumer play, consumer story, and then others see oh they wanna just have the same. And then you're deciding whether you want to keep this consumer story only for you or you wanna become as a service and make everybody like basically plug into you on this consumer story. So this is pretty much what's happening at Safe Chain, and the vision was to build it basically bank without bank account and make like a new type of financial institution and that that's going to solve the problem that was recently appeared with the starting from FTX when the crypto funds were misplaced and ending with like the current problems with the original banks in the US. So there was recently a problem with Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, First Republica, and then the full list of the banks that's in trouble right now because of the interest rate hike—it's 700 regional banks, 700 banks in the U.S. that potentially can go bankrupt. So, and the people like the people afraid, people afraid, and some corporations they can lose money, and they already implement the strategies for how they can split funds to many banks to cover with regulate with 250k per account insurance. It's, yeah it's it, it, it's it's I never I never expected this like happen in the US. I saw this something like that in Ukraine. I never expected that I see like something like that in the US, but it, it's reality. And I know. yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean it,
0: it's it's happened before, it'll happen again. Like there's this it, it, this podcast called On the Brink and they're opening kind of theme music and, and announcer mm-hmm. for that. It refers to something that happened and it's like a CNBC announcer or something talking about the government start to print all this money and all of a sudden people get a little nervous. And out of this worry comes something called Bitcoin. And that was something that was recorded back in 2008. And now we're going through this like regional bank crisis. And it's like all these people that are concerned about their money in regional banks. And out of this worry comes a non-custodial wallet,
1: right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So i Yeah, the people initially initially we wanted to build this product for emerging markets only, so for the people who like struggling to get access to US door to like modern banking, Western banking accounts, Western banking products. But right now, with this situation, we see a lot of also interest from US and from developed markets as well, because the people. Want to make sure that the funds that they have—it's not just bank funds. It's the the bank is only like service institution, but they have full control of these funds, and so this we we, we uh, this okay. is the model of non-custodial wallet. Yeah.
0: Uh, on that note, let's kind of take that from the top, right? That you've talked about Save chain as being MetaMask meets Revolut, right? And but just to kind of lay this all out for folks, can you tell me? What is SafeChain and, and how is it going to work?
1: Yeah, so SafeChain is a new banking application. So what does it mean? So it's like you're downloading the application and you have there, you open account. And this account is for, at, the, at this stage, only for dollars. So it's basically one currency account, dollar. The thing is that for this account you can you will be able to issue card you will be able to do like some traditional stuff like send money to your friend with email you can you'll be able in the future basically make some interest on this account like 5 maybe 8% interest rate the the what's special with this account that this account is not in the bank or any institution which is like used to be all the previous generation of neobanks, including Revolut, which is my my classmate by the way founded. So, all of them they they rely on existing banking rails for these neobanks. So their their product was user experience. They try to simplify. They try to increase user experience, but under under the hood there was all the same like bank rails like SWIFT and traditional. In our, in our case, under the hood, there is not a banking rails. There is a blockchain. There is gr- the most reliable and scalable technologies that is basically started and we are tested for the last five years. So we are taking this. In this case, right now, we are working on Polygon, but we are open like, and make tests with other chains. So this is the chains that have the highest SLA, service level agreement, so they do not go down. And and they don't have history of like hacking or to be hacked or to be like, like laws funds, so so we're going with that, and also we're going with the most reliable stable coins, which is already on the market for a while. door stable coins, which is USDC and USDT. So USDC even stayed when there was recent bank meltdown, and right now it's 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 basically two to the most stable stable coins. So we're making we're making this bank that is pretty much looks like for user like a Revolut or PayPal, but inside it has like wallet like MetaMask. And uh, this means the user in charge and the user control fully their funds. But uh, the user experience is like banking, since, for instance, in the what, what's different between the wallet and the bank? You, ca- you can lose your application, the bank can still recover account. If you lost your private key or their like a wallet and you forgot your private key, you can lose the funds. It's one of the main, problems with the crypto wallets. So we we implemented a technology called Keyless Recovery and uh, Shamir shared secret, MPC, to basically to enable recovery of the key. So it means for you as a user, you have account, you have this application, which is like a shell application. And then you have separate password that only you know. We don't know this password. Where there is your recovery key at Amazon. And basically you install the application and then you recover your wallet within this application and you got your funds. So, so this makes like careless recovery. And second thing is a gas fees. So we don't want users to be deal with gas fees and be aware about it, that it's complicated technologies that are under the hood. So we take care about the gas fees and top up wallets automatically for the next five transactions by gas fee, which is magic in this case. So for users, it's just smooth free experience, as they would be like a Bank, but it's on chain and it's fully controlled by users.
0: Very good. All right. Well, listen, let me give you an example. And then you tell me how it's going to work on SafeChain. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just received $1,000 or $1,000 in USDC, which is the the USD stablecoin, which is issued by Circle, as mm-hmm. we, we talked about. And that was received into my MetaMask wallet, okay, which is a non-custodial wallet. And I wanted to actually use that to pay some bills in fiat currency, in traditional currency. So what did I do? I sent that using a wallet address to a custodial wallet that has a fiat off-ramp or a Mm -hmm. traditional currency off-ramp. So I sent it to my custodial wallet. I then converted and sold the USDC and I converted that to euro. And then I moved the euro to my neobank account which is completely different. So one, two, three, four hops, okay? Tell me how I'm gonna do this on SafeChain. I receive 1,000 USDC, right? That's the first step.
1: Yeah, so receiving, uh, in our case, you will uh, provide the address on SafeChain address, which is also non-custodial wallet to Mm -hmm. your sender. You will receive this 1,000 USDC to your your USDC address on SafeChain. And after that, you pretty much don't need to leave safe chains. So you'll be able to 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 offer them real time to the card. You will be able most likely to pay either by this card or directly these bills that you need to pay. So the plan is to develop the infrastructure around this vote in the same way as it basically exists in your neo bank, where you are transferring these funds in order to pay these bills. So it's I got like it. one thing. Yeah.
0: I got it. Now, the societal factors for me having done this transaction with these multiple different types of wallets and actually what is going to end up being two banks is just down to the fact that this is kind of how I, this is my financial life, right? But there are societal factors all over the world that are driving the need for this. What are some of those societal factors and what are the demographics where these things happening where you see the most probably volume-driven use cases for Save safe chain in the next year or two.
1: Yeah, we got uh, right now waitlist from 65 countries. And uh, we are starting from Argentina right now. Why? Because uh, hi- hyperinflation. So inflation in Argentina is more than 100%. And there was just last week, the day when it was 8% currency devaluation just in one day. Wow. So it's- it's it's yeah it's a, a not not controlled and you can have open deposit like days, deposit Argentina for like thirty percent annual rate so it's it's going it's, yeah it's going crazy and the people pretty much they live in dollar economy there yeah so they they cannot really rely on the on the currency they try to change the dollar as soon as possible as soon as they get it so countries like that this is our core markets. So Argentina, it's 100%. When sell, 150% inflation. In Nigeria, they have like a currency crisis. As well as in Argentina, they have two exchange rates. So the presence of two exchange rates, this is, this, this is a sign that this is our market because there is like official exchange rates and there is like a real exchange rate. So official exchange rate like in Argentina versus like a street exchange rate, is two times difference. And street, street exchange rate is, they call it blue dollar rate so it's two times higher so so those countries they are definitely our markets and then there is like there is a special situation in brazil where also there is a taxation of capital withdrawal and if you go with brazilian cards to yes like shopping for shopping you pay uh, on top of all your purchases and yes taxes you pay like almost seven percent to brazil taxes for capital withdrawal from brazil if you send money from brazil to yes it's 1.2 percent tax so for swift if you buy stable coins in brazil it's 0.3 percent tax it's 20 times cheaper than if you just go and shopping with the card yes so all this all these examples this is where where stable coins and make sense yeah
0: i'm thinking of this pitch deck Mm -hmm. exercise that that we went through yesterday yeah of when you get to your team slide that you need to talk about what we did what we know, what we learned, what experience we have, and as you're walking me through through these inflation rates and these taxation rates and these transaction fees in these different markets, I'm thinking, you know your stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I met those people. I know this from like from the first hands from the people who I created. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. When when everything is operating in symmetry, in between the non custodial stablecoin. Wallet, or you know, or let's just call it a stablecoin wallet, and the FDIC insured U.S. bank account. Which one of those do you think, based upon your view of the world right now, is going to get more of the volume and more of the usage? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So we have a wallet as our core as the first part of the product. This is pretty much our minimum commercial product here right now, the wallet. And in addition to the wallet, we are offering for residents of 35 countries a US bank account. So we are doing this with our bank is a service partner called Synapse in San Francisco. So I believe like the, the trajectory how it's gonna be growing, it's will be like similar to PayPal. PayPal. When they started, they were like known for as a way to pay at eBay. So nobody like really considered PayPal as like a way to keep their money, save money, to do anything else. They just did go and simply pay eBay.
0: Yeah.
1: So. In this case, like also many people like at the beginning, consider us and will consider as like way too f- f- cheaply. We're gonna we're gonna basically provide free remittances up to one thousand dollars from with zero fees and money to their countries, and and way how they can open the US bank account probably like outside of their countries for their families. But down the road, <laughs> we want to build the behavior as soon as there will be more and more trust. And they see, like, some other products that we're going to release. We want to build this behavior. So not just use us as a vehicle, but keep funds with us and start to use us as a real, like, non-custodial financial institution. So so yeah. keep funds in the system and and don't leave.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there, there's a something in there that I was thinking about between serving the unbanked and serving the underbanked, right? Unbanked yeah. versus underbanked. Unbanked, to me, is that you operate fully with cash. And that's just how you live your financial life. Underbank means, well, you may have a bank account, but you can't do a whole heck of a lot with it. So what I hear you saying is that by offering the ability to have more flexible payment options, by having the ability to actually hold and save yeah. your wealth with Save chain at these interesting interest rates, mm-hmm. that you do actually provide more banking to those that are underbanked right and that's yeah, that's the basic it's,
1: side Yeah, it. it's, yeah it's yeah exactly and for the, the banked versus underbanked like it's this is why sometimes for me it's difficult to explain the people that is like in, in the us that is fully american and never and do not travel too much and live here because they don't see this problem for them it's like oh, everything goes yeah. smooth yeah everything they click ssn id worked fine I mean, I, I'm in the US already like altogether six years, but if I'm underbanked, yes, <laughs> I'm, in yeah. the bank, I'm underbanked in the US. So this is just a simple example. And then like, if I if I try to open for my company bank accounts here, it took me like four or five banks before I, before I found the bank that agreed to open bank accounts for me in the US. So it's like uh, with having all the documents. So it's not it's not easy yeah and 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 I'm fully documented like in the, like world documents in the US and there are many people who don't have a document that I have and they' are <laughs> the, the, bad, the bad situation. So so uh, we, we are building the service for the people who are underbanked with uh, in terms of like access to like modern Western finance, modern yes products. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. They live in the US as Diaspora, or they live for like anywhere in the world, but still, basically, the finance should be global. The problem with custodial institution and the banks, but all of them locally governed, uh, they are not global. And to to kind of to break that. As a payment company, you have more chances to be global because you take a cards and it's more like already global protocol. So to build a real global neobank, you need to give away of the custody. You need to give away like all uh, something that's regulated only locally, which is like custodial custody. As soon as we are basically um, don't have this element, then we have much higher chances to be like globally, global financial institution. Could,
0: could you at some stage, almost a, a money market sweep is that you could overnight convert the usd into usdc and then place that out into defi at attractive overnight rates
1: yeah yeah there is a a circle which is the issuer market maker of usdc they have these products okay Uh, they have staking overnight yeah the problem with the rate is there if i'm not mistaken it's like half percent per year so it's, okay. much, it's not that much yeah it's not, it's not it's not it's not why you would rather be like in stable coins but there is like other products there is like a, the, so right now the treasury bills they give you more interest than DeFi. yeah so okay we are looking for like taking nice treasury bills to give people access to like the, the to something you you know the apple introduced recently there's famous saving account backed by goldman sachs for for mm-hmm. 4.17 i believe so which is like already like meaningfully yeah? and th- those kind of account this is exactly what we want to do as well, but we want this to be like in the token form and global and more flexible. So we're looking right now for this partner, like some big name, where we where we can basically take the tokenized products for our customers.
0: Okay, should we call Goldman Sachs?
1: We should, yeah, Goldman Sachs. Is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's get them on the horn. Yeah. Absolutely, but like that, right? That you've got so many challenges being thrown at you. And I know that, you know, your, your U.S. market strategy, like you said, there's lots of interest in this in the U.S. because of what's ha- happening uh, with the regional banks. But that that is a, I think that's a story that is still being written, right? But you've got this regulation by enforcement going on with the SEC and anything that is crypto and stable coins, obviously, are, are cryptographically secured assets. I'll just call them that. You've got you know, you got your go-to-market strategies in geographies with the concentration of underbanked individuals. And you don't live in Argentina or Nigeria, you'll be relying on partners there, right? You've mm-hmm. got, you know, working with FinTech partners to integrate your tech. All of these. You know, maybe it's one of those things, maybe it's something else. But, you know, which of those challenges do you think you have the biggest handle on? And, you know, which which ones do you think are just going to be a tough call?
1: yeah initially initially i thought that the 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 most difficult will be like to go all those markets where i'm not from and this is the comment that i'm received like from many vcs in the US. they -hmm. call it we, we call them we talked to them and said we go to mexico we go to like argentina or nigeria they said oh guys you don't have this dna in your team dna this means you don't have like a mexican uh, argentina Nigerian guy in your team and then i find out when i start to talk to those people that is they're not exactly right they're wrong because when i talk to like uh, the people in argentina and they said, and we're discussing like US, and they said, oh, yeah, you know, you're like, how long are you do the US? They asked me. I said, like, oh, six years. Oh, you're still like pretty much like Ukrainian. And you know, that is like in the US, everything according to the books, and like they, they try to do like everything like to the books, like rules. And here, like, it's more, it's 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 more like more experience based and all that and practices. And, and this is exactly pretty much many of these countries, they're pretty very similar to Ukraine, frankly speaking. And I thought this would be like a big cultural gap no like that's why many of my friends like they live in all these countries making businesses there because the culture their business culture is very similar it's much easier for Mm -hmm. me to understand this culture than like for americans so this was like so that's why this kind of dna gap was not a gap so it's completely manageable yeah the the main the main challenge right now it's yeah it's obviously like u.s regulation and we 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 are comfortable understand how this works but it still requires a lot of like experience and experienced people around to build momentum and to build like history so we don't want to be completely dependent on that so we consider even like to. Keep fintech business in the US, but keep like a completely defy business outside of the US. So maybe in some moment this will be like two different companies. Uh, but uh, yeah, it should be done. And right now we rely on our partnerships. So we we got partnerships recently, like due to thanks thanks to you, Pete, and TechStars. We got with uh, with Stripe, and Stripe is right now we're in their sandbox to. Or to do on the ramping and off ramping, so basically to enable our users from all the 50 states of the US, and each state has different regulation, requires a separate license, which is like a couple of years of work. So uh, all this is going to be done with Stripe. Yeah, Stripe will take it the, because they already have these licenses. Yeah. So, so which is which is a big deal, yeah, because otherwise it's just it's a big 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 barrier to enter US market. Yeah,
0: and there there there's at a a. a... So the I'm working on that is related to the whole money services business in the U.S. That actually the European translation of that is called a VASP, a virtual asset service provider. Yeah. Because the MSB, you know, re- framework was just pre-crypto, and it was there. And then it was like, well, that looks like the right thing to do for crypto, for those businesses that are moving into and out of crypto and into and out of fiat, and then. Lo and behold, we end up with a specific regime in Europe that is just dedicated to crypto around those types of movements. So I think, you know, being able to partner w- with people like Stripe and, and, and yeah. others to be able to help you do this is a good thing. I may have already pointed to this, but I think there's probably more to this story of Igor. And on that note, one of the things that I noticed in preparing for this, Igor, is that on your LinkedIn profile, you are Igor Gary Kamel. And I've been calling you Igor the whole time since day one. And then I'm like, do like Americans just call him Gary?
1: (laughs) Where'd that come from? Some, Some Americans do. So it's like Gary is, it's like a nickname. So when the people come to US, like Chinese are famous for that, they are taking like American names. Yeah, and like Ukrainians, not not really, but some some do. There is like famous uh, Igor, which is Gary here, Gary Vimirchuk, he's famous in the NFT community. Yeah, Gary also, Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah, he's also Igor. Yeah, he's all I same. didn't
0: know that. I didn't yeah, know
1: yeah, that. Yeah. He, he's, he's Ukrainian and also Igor. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. I, yeah, he was I like a. Yeah.
1: yeah he's yeah. like a
0: 16-year-old entrepreneur way back in the day with Wine.com before yeah. VaynerMedia yeah. and all that stuff came along. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, the, so there is there is like some best practices, so some examples. I, I, yeah. I'm in some moment I wanted to use Gary, and then like I understand that just like it's more. About so, it looks like Igor is more authentic. So I want to probably stay stay with Igor, right now. Okay. I can, I can All like right. No, one. I'm
0: I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But t- tell me, there there's a you know from your experience, there's got to be this earned secret, right? This thing that you know and that you believe to be true that others may not be aware of or others believe to be false. Can you point to something that you think is your earned secret that makes a difference?
1: Yeah, they're in. There is number. Yeah, Probably the, the main secret like in terms of business so the people if they want to save money if they want to like really take care about the money they not just rely on regulator, yeah. So they need to also rely on technology. And so I'm uh, offering them this is like choice. Yeah. So which is and we, we are trying to basically improve this value proposition by adding insurance for this non-custodial wallets which is makes more sense you're covered by both technology and by like institutional insurance. This is like the best of the world so this is one of the secret in terms of like m- behavioral yeah i moved this winter to to south tahoe so i start to exercise like and another uh, to like have more energy for the business so and i'm doing snow uh, snowboarder here and i learned it's 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 all about momentum it's and uh, this momentum could be even if you, this momentum is negative at the moment but you have the speed which is like in snowboard this means you can change and you can yeah. go up and it's it's, uh, it's very important to move yeah. So even if you're maybe moving not exactly where you need to move, but you have the momentum, and with a small effort you can move to the right direction and get your goal. So okay. My <laughs> philosophy. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Keep moving. No, you get that. Definitely get yeah, that through snowboarding. I was,
1: uh, I, yeah. I was. I was in one in some moment like we raised seventy thousand ether, and my token with fully diluted market cap was like one billion dollar. So it was like yeah. for two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And and then everything crashed, and I was depressed like for a couple of years that I was like billionaire and like all that, yeah. And then I understand this is not. This is just basically uh, I, it's a bad idea to stop. Yeah, so you can just keep moving. And and yep. since since you was at that height, it's definitely you can come back.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the at the the lowest moment of my own career, it's probably about four years ago, and I everything just crashed and stopped and but i still Mm -hmm. had a bunch of things that were yelling at me to do things and i just let it all drop to the floor and i only picked up those things that were really screaming at me the loudest and i ran with those things and i just kept running right and you know sometimes you just have to do that what would be one thing that people wouldn't expect to know about you mr snowboarder
1: wouldn't expect about me Maybe that I have a journalist degree. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Where'd that come from? How'd you do that?
1: <laughs> yeah. My mother was uh, like a journalism and like a literature. So she was said that I need to, and, and I kind of, I like it at the time. And by the way, we talked with Aaron as a journalist as well. Like, yeah, it's his first profession, like he was running. So it's good for public speaking and good for like a soft skill development. So Definitely. He, Yeah, I did this degree in parallel with my physics degree. So what's happened, I was like studying physics and then like go to the train and 50 minutes I had like night classes from 6 to 9 p.m. like for for journalists. So it's like develop both sides of my mind.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. That that's pretty cool. I, I did my stint with writing in 2006, 2000, 2005, 2006 when I was traveling around the world with my fiance at the time, between leaving Bermuda and settling here in Ireland. I wrote a blog and my mom was reading it every day and she was pointing out all the grammatical errors I was making. And that's how I learned to write better, right? Was just when you've got someone looking over your shoulder. And so yeah, your, your mom was a journalist and my mom was a teacher. So that's something that's common ground for us yeah, in terms teacher, of <laughs> teacher, teacher, <yeah. laughs> learning yeah. how to write properly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. exactly. Good exactly. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Igor?
1: Yeah, the best way is it's, it depends. If crypto people, it's Telegram. It's Bankster. So yeah. Bankster. Yeah. Email, Igor at yeah cool and and linkedin and linkedin i'm kind of like i have like big my big linkedin 15,000 followers so it definitely will find me everybody in the industry like it's either my first or second circle everybody if you're not in my second circle you're not in the industry so
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know it's amazing how that works isn't it scary (laughs) it's scary you can get in touch with whoever you want. Just one degree of separation. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, listen, Igor, thank you so much. Thanks awesome to have you on the show. And looking forward to seeing you next week in London. See you a bit. That does it for this week, folks. Thanks to Igor for opening up his mind to help us figure out why he does what he does. And you can learn more about Igor and Save Chain in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as it helps others to find the show. Thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup investor focused on where fintech meets crypto and crypto meets Web3. And I lead the Techstars Web3 Accelerator. There are plenty of links in the show notes on moneyneversleeps.ie on how to get in touch. So don't hesitate to reach out. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See you.